You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to On The Run. I'm your host, as always, Remzo W. Martinez. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter, at HeyRemzo. That's R- that's that. I can't even spell my own name. Gosh, damn it. Okay, it's H-E-Y-R-E-M-S-O. Go ahead and find me on Instagram at O-T-R underscore Remzo. All the social media, all that stuff, you can go ahead and find in the links in the show notes today. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and talk about this for a couple weeks now, but as many of you know, I've been out and about, went to DC for a little bit, spent about a week in Michigan, and now I'm getting caught up on everything. And I know a bunch of you were like, stop talking about the recession, stop talking about finance. So I said, you know what? I'm a man of the people. Let's go ahead and talk about the one thing that brings us all together in our shared connected whore. Let's go ahead and talk about UFO sightings. Today, we go, we have a great guest to go ahead and talk about her theories on this and you know some of her thoughts, because this is something that she covers occasionally on her podcast, the Chiller Queen podcast, we've got Avery Warner. Avery, thank you so much for coming on the program today. Yeah. Thanks, Remzo, for having me on. It's good to talk with you again. We haven't talked since... uh, Well, we've talked occasionally in between, but uh, since you were on my podcast talking about all of your paranormal experiences. So I'm happy to come on and talk about aliens. I yeah, you, you got to talk about ghosts for like a whole hour and then you have to round it out with aliens. That way you go ahead and get the whole weird trifecta going. <laughs> but Avery, for, for people that aren't aware of your show and everything, maybe they just know about you from 90 Day Fiance. Let's go ahead and just give a quick recap. How did you go from reality television to having an entire podcast dedicated to the strange, the supernatural and the paranormal? Well, it's it's interesting. I worked in dentistry for 14 years. And unfortunately, during that time, I mean, when you work in dentistry, you got to be like professional, you got to like, you know, show yourself in a certain certain demeanor and certain light, you know, in order to, you know, give this portrayal of being a professional working in a professional field. And I went on to everyone thought I was crazy, but obviously I went on to 90 day fiance, uh, reality TV. And during that time, it 
was aired during the most craziest time of our lives, which was the pandemic is when you know my episode came out. And so I had a ton of eyes on me. Uh, but it was like the number one reality show over the Kardashians during that time. You know, you just had a lot of people sitting there watching my train wreck of a love story. And uh, it was like, I find like I had all of a sudden this huge audience. So I went from basically, you know, working in dentistry, not being known by anybody to all of a sudden overnight, I have all these eyes on me and it gave me this platform and it gave me the opportunity to really change the trajectory of my life into more of what I love to do. I've always been fascinated by conspiracies, aliens, like throughout my entire life, I've literally been just drawn to this kind of stuff. And so I have gotten into this stuff for so long. And finally, after I went on reality TV, I said bye to my dentistry world. And I never looked back. And I started doing my own thing and utilizing my platform. And and I, you know, I thought, why not start a podcast? Because all I do is research all the time on all this weird stuff. And I'm like, I just need to like, compile it and get this out and show people who I really am rather than who they knew on 90 Day Fiance, which was, you know, in and of itself is just kind of a, a train wreck, but people didn't get to know me. So now I get to show who I really am and get talk to write to people your own story. like you. <laughs> yeah. Talk to people like you and other people who like, you know, are into the same things as me. So I so, love it. So, so when it comes to the con to the topic of aliens and extraterrestrials specifically, I, I'm kind of curious, was this something you always had kind of an opinion on or did you kind of get into other things and then slowly you kind of jumped on the UFO bandwagon? Because for me, as I discussed this on your show, all of this kind of happened after I got into the paranormal because it was kind of like I took the red pill when it came to the weird and spooky mm -hmm. stuff. It was like, I'm going to go ahead and try and do this show. It turned into the witching hour. And then as I kind of got more into, okay, I think that ghosts and demons and all that crazy stuff exists. Then I started looking into cryptids. Then I started looking into extraterrestrials and all this other stuff. And over the course of a couple of years, and, and for me, the, the pandemic was what really freaks me out when it came to UFOs, because that was when you had people like uh, Lieutenant Commander uh, David Shraver from the U.S. Navy, he came out with his Tic Tac video of him and a bu bunch of other fighter pilots seeing this thing that was just defying the law of physics. For me, that was that moment where it was like, you know what, I've had these thoughts, but this dude is saying it. Something obviously has to be going on here. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I have been fascinated by aliens and UFOs since I was a little girl. Like, since I was a little girl, the first thing I remember was watching, you know, Unsolved Mysteries. And I just remember specifically in my mind, I've always been fascinated by space. And I've always looked at the sky as like looking into outer space. And so it's always fascinated me. Um, but these shows, I was always attracted to them and watching them. And so as a little girl, I was terrified of aliens and I just naturally started reading stuff on it. My entire life, I've always kind of been into that bizarre, you know, things that people claim are not real, but there's so many sightings and there's so many, so much evidence behind it. 
um, even though our government has been telling us that it's not real. But then I've also had just a lot of weird experiences in my life. And kind of like with you, you, you went into the paranormal and you started investigating into it and you started, you know, having experiences and then realizing that maybe these other things could potentially be real too. And you started kind of getting into that kind of stuff. And so that's, I think everyone who's attracted to this stuff is just attracted to a lot of the same things, you know, like we go from one experience that might open our mind up to other experiences. And now finally we're in this age where the government's starting to talk about the fact that yes, UFOs are real and they've been coming out with footage of it. And now they're saying that they have a task force that is dedicated to investigating into these things. Um, and I have, I have a lot of theories about that because when you look at the fact that now all of a sudden the government's talking about how they have this, uh, this task force that's, you know, UFOs are real. The Pentagon has confirmed it. And we're in a time right now where we're starting to talk about the fact that it is real and they're starting to talk about on the media and things like that. Um, I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, people need to understand that this isn't new. This isn't new. This has been going on for a very long time in our government. And this is really just our government coming out right now and saying that, yes, we've been lying to you for the last, you know, 70 years. Um, and we've been doing this for a long time, but here we are, we've get, we have a task force now that's, that's dedicated to, uh, to figuring out if these aerial phenomenons are, uh, you know, if they're a threat or what they are and, and that kind of stuff. But this isn't new. You know, if you look into, I think what people need to understand is that in my mind, I feel like the government is really in a position where they have to uh, acknowledge the fact that UFOs are real, um, but they're not really in a position to tell us exactly what they know. Um, because I still feel like that in and of itself is being hidden from us. Um, because if you really look at it, we have, you know, in, you have a tip, right? So on December 16th of 2017, you have the New York Times that ran a story called Glowing Auras and Black Money and the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. Um, this was the first time that in public it was informed of a top secret government project called Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Um, it was a $22 million program to investigate into UFOs. The program was in operation from 2007 to 2012. And it was ran by a former Pentagon official named Luis Elizondo. And even though the program ended in 2012, Elizondo basically claims that he continued to work on this program for the next five years um, in his Pentagon office with the CIA and uh, the U.S. Navy. Um, and he was really upset because the basically the findings that they were finding, the Pentagon came out and was like, you know, we're not going to to show this to the public. This isn't public knowledge. This is going to be, remain completely top secret. And he was upset at the fact that this was going to be remain top secret. And so he started leaking these, these, you know, the camera footage that you saw on the U S Navy, uh, air aircrafts. Um, the ones that they captured of those, you know, those, uh, flying objects, the, the UFOs thing. Yeah. 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 Th those are the ones that he leaked out into the press. Um, and so he also leaked other information out into the public. And so it kind of forced them to, uh, it kind of forced them to come out and say, yes, you know, like 
we have this. And, and that's what really when, um, I mean, that's really when they started acknowledging the fact that they had, you know, previous, um, forces. And so there's other ones too. You have project blue book, which was in 1952, um, which was a high ranking military that got together to launch investigations into UFO phenomenon. Um, and you know, after hundreds of people reported, uh, all this stuff, like they came up, they created, this sheet um, that people could fill out and they could send to to them to investigate into these UFOs. And they had hundreds and hundreds of people who came and they submitted these, you know, claims. They submitted photographs, they did interviews, they did, they had footage, and they put together 23 of their best cases and presented it to a CIA formed panel of scientists led by Dr. H.P. Robertson. And basically the panel concluded that everything could be d- dismissed as a natural occurrence. Um, and some of the people that were on there and some of the researchers claim that they're like, you know, this, this was never created to, to prove that UFOs are real. It was basically created to debunk the fact that they were real. So out of the, you know, 1200 cases that I, apparently um, project blue book investigated into, they found that, 700 of them they couldn't explain. So basically like 5% of those they still couldn't explain. But the scientists came out and said, oh, we don't need to put any of our government funding into this because, you know, this could all be debunked as, you know, a natural, natural um, occurrence. That's the frustrating thing about all of this, because you mentioned all the different programs and going back to Project Blue Book, each time one of these programs could not give like a firm answer, yes or no, is this happening? They would shut it down. Everyone involved would get, you know, either they would resign or they would get placed somewhere else within the the federal government. And then like 10 years later, we hear about something coming up after that. There was Mm -hmm. a program after Project Blue Book. There was another program that came out in the 70s. There have been several since. And now it it just keeps evolving because they're moving the goalpost. It used to be Mm -hmm. this is never happening. And now it's, it's happening but we don't necessarily know whether or not it's something that was made by man or if it's something coming from outer space. And, and that's what kind of frustrates me about ATIP. Um, I, I have some friends who came to my wedding in May and they're national security reporters, uh, very, you know, salt of the earth people. But they're not necessarily what I would call people that believe in the extraterrestrial phenomenon, which we're getting with UFOs or as they've tried to you know, reclassify them as UAPs because UFO has a stigma to it. So, so I've got these folks who have been in the industry covering it since 9-11, and they're saying, listen, I don't know if it's aliens we're dealing with, but what we are starting to see, and you know, the Department of the Navy went ahead and confirmed this when they took that uh, footage from the fighter jets and basically said, yeah, that's not something that is man-made. Like that's, it, It's defying the laws of physics here, people. Right. Now, now they're looking at the fact that even if it's not extraterrestrial, we have to admit the fact that this is happening and that this is a national security threat. Because if somebody can come in and out of our airspace in less than a couple of seconds, we're looking at you know uh, um, electrical grids, hospitals, other defense installations, critical infrastructure. We're dealing with something that is completely outside of our capability of defending ourselves against. And that's what's weird because Harry Reid was saying that when he was alive, when he left the Senate. And now you have, 
you know, he, he was a Democrat. And now you have Republican Marco Rubio also kind of taking the lead on that in a mm-hmm. way. So it's it, it's it's phenomenal. And I've been I try and do a couple episodes a year about this because there's always a big push. And the big thing now is that of all the things people are starting to talk about when it comes to the issues of UFOs for people that know a little bit about what's going on. This is one of those areas where people are looking at this, regardless as to where they fall on the spectrum, regardless of where they, you know, what they believe. And they're saying that this is weird and this is happening. And it's just so crazy because you, you, you know, you and I try and have this conversation 10 years ago. This is outlier fringe stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what Fox, ABC, NBC, CNN, everyone is saying that it's happening now. But they're not diving further into it. Yeah. And I think that the like what you were talking about, how they're talking about, uh, you know, the reason why we created this task force is to identify if these are a threat to our, you know, to our country. If this is coming from another, you know, area, we need to be prepared for that. Um, I think that's the narrative that they put out. To I think they they already know a lot of you know what these things are. I think there's a lot more information that they know because. Uh, let's just talk about real quick. I want to talk about the Majestic 12, which is another government cover-up program that they had. Um, So, you know, in Burbank, California in 1984, there was a movie producer and he was also a UFO researcher named Jamie Shadray who arrives home. And when he arrives home, there's a manila envelope that was placed through his, uh, what is it? The the mailbox slot that's on the front door, door, right? For the mail. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So somebody had slipped it through his mailbox. It came from Albuquerque, New Mexico. It had no return address. It had, didn't have anything. And inside of it was one of those, you know, films, um, where, you know, back in the day, how we took pictures and it was on its tiny little film thing and you had to take it to get developed. Well, somebody had, uh, taken pictures of these really classified documents and they went through and they took a picture of every single document that was in this top secret, uh, program um, and had distributed it into two different films. And so this producer got one of them and it was known as the Eisenhower documents. um, And it was originally produced in 1952. So these documents were created in 1952. Um, And in the document, it talks about how the sitting president, Harry Truman, had formed a secret group in the U.S. government called the Majestic 12. And it was to investigate UFOs that had crashed And in the document, it claimed that this type of information was to continue to be left secret for, you know, for like the information that we have, even previous information, everything moving forward is to be left top secret. Um, And then magically at another uh, place, um, I can't remember where it was, but there was a, a photo developing place that received the other um, uh you know, film that was, you know, people took pictures of negatives. That's, that's the word. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. 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 The negatives. Um, and so the, they had developed it and they created this document and they put the document together and they gave it to researchers. And there's been researchers who have been researching these documents for decades. And one of the interesting things, so the document was labeled extraterrestrial entities and technology recovery and disposal. So that's really interesting that it says extraterrestrial entities and technology recovery and disposal was what the document was labeled. And it also said t- 
top secret majestic eyes only. Um, and you know, these documents were leaked allegedly because they had people who were in possession of these who were top secret officials and they were upset at the fact that all this stuff was basically being lied by the government's being covered up. And so they wanted that information to be pushed out into the public. And so they did it discreetly by taking pictures and just, you know, distributing them. Um, and it goes out there. So this was back in 1952. And if they have this type of information back in 1952, um, you know, it's just really interesting because they have all these UFO crashes that they have covered up. Um, they, in 1965, they had this UFO crash that happened. It was like a bell. Um, it looked like the shape of a bell and there were 10 firemen, volunteer firemen who went out to, to investigate this, uh, what they thought was like a meteor crash or a plane crash. Um, and so they sat there with this thing for about 15 minutes, uh, trying to identify what the hell it was, um, before they were, they were bombarded by military officials. And so in 1965, you know, you have something that crashes out of the sky and within 15 minutes, you have the military coming in and basically telling these people, no, it was just a meteorite. But these people were looking at this thing. It was shaped like a bell. It had hieroglyph, like almost looking like Egyptian hieroglyphs. Um, inscribed on the bottom of the, you know, the base of this bell-shaped thing. Um, it, it wasn't a meteorite, you know? And and so this is all these cover-ups that have been going on for, you know, decades. And so to now just come out and say, oh, now we need to investigate these things because they could be, uh, you know, a threat to our, to civilization they could be a threat to they're they're kind of whitewashing the the actual question which is we know it's a threat but what is it yeah and so and what i listened to uh when they just addressed congress and they were talking about you know their new task force and what they're going to be investigating and and the information that they have found and it's everything that we i mean they might as well not have come on and said anything because they were just like we still don't know. We're investigating it. We're only investigating military, uh, like uh, record. You know, um, the military coming through and you know giving reports on what they have found. So they're not even really investigating into civilian claims yet, which they're trying to figure out how to do that. But they're just inve- investigating into military claims right now, um, and all they're giving us really is just like I don't know. I don't know. And. And to me, that just seems like, okay, well, we're just at a stage right now where maybe they're they're trying to uh, leak more information to the public so that, because they have more information. And so they're slowly giving us information as, as we can handle it because I think that they know a lot more than what they're putting out. Um, and it's so like, it's like they need to condition the public that yeah. this stuff is already happening. So when the big information finally does come out, it's not like a monumental shock. Right. I, I don't think that they can just come out and be like, hey, you know, we have all this information. Here it is. Uh, I think that that would be a complete disruption to to society because we have been conditioned to believe a certain thing this entire time. And I think UFO researchers and, and you know, people in the UFO, the conspiracy theory uh community have been trying to get people on board and, and listen to this for a long time. But 
obviously, if it's not in the media's eyes for a long time, people didn't believe it unless the media was out there saying it. And so now you have the media out there. And I don't believe a word that our media says because our media is a narrative. And they they screwed up all the other important things. Why am I supposed to trust them when they actually do come with something truthful? Yes. And and whatever they do come out, even if it's based on a true story, right? There, it's it's being put out through a narrative. It, there's somebody who's who's saying how it needs to be addressed to the public, so the public take it the way that they want you to take it. And you know, there's a couple of theories that I had on why we're all of a sudden disclosing this information. And um, you know, it could be that the public, the Freedom of Information Act, because you know, they, we do have the Freedom of Information Act, and if you submit that, you know, submit something for things to be declassified. Uh, it can take a long time, but it could be that the government has this and they're now being called to, you know, say that we do have a task force for this or, you know, we're putting out this information. Um, but also, too, if you look at the times that we're living in, I think we've been slowly conditioned in this progressive way uh, to be more open minded to this kind of stuff. I mean, we just went through a pandemic that basically was like a, a a comedy show. I mean, it was like a theater. Like I watched Tiger King like five times, <laughs> like obsessively. Yeah, Tiger King was amazing. I mean, like, the, like I feel like everybody, the whole everything got disrupted during the pandemic because now you had more people. Like our White House administration, like politics became a comedy show. I mean, it was like a rea- like the worst reality show that you can watch. It still is going that way, um, but you you just have a lot more people who are more open-minded, I guess, to this information. And maybe it was the perfect time for them to be, come out and be like, hey, you know, because when it did come out, I was literally like, oh my gosh, they finally said that it was real. And I, I went to my friends and I'm like, oh my gosh. They, and they're just like, oh, but I still don't believe it. You know, like they're still in that mindset of like, okay, you know, like this is their slow drip to be like, Hey, we we're going to acknowledge the fact that UFOs are real and maybe this is their slow drip because you have NASA who hired 24 theologists to basically uh at like see Wait, you how you said theologists? Yes. Huh, okay. Um he they hired 24 theologists to identify how the existence of aliens would affect religions in the uh... world. Yes. So that goes to show you that they're probably preparing for something in the future. You know, like if you look back at the book of Enoch, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very interesting that, you know, 1600 years ago, you had like 30 30 Christians who came together and decided what books were going to be included in the Bible and what books were not going to be completed you know, included in the Bible. So before that period of time, the book of Enoch was taken as, you know, biblical fact. And people truly believe that, you know, extraterrestrials, you know, came or fallen angels came to earth and they, you know, saw the daughters of, of, you know, man, and they bred with them. And uh, this could be like, you know, you have the book of the Sumerian texts that talk about the Anunnaki who came down and, and bred with humans and the, the human like uh, giants that used to walk the land. Yeah. The you Nephilim. In, yeah. The, the, yeah. You see them in Genesis and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, before that time, it was very open that people truly believe that like, you know, human race could be 
interbred with, with humans. And, you know, there's this whole cover up for that as well. And so at that time, you know, the people who, who believed in the Christian faith and they came through were practicing religion a little bit differently than let's say we practice now because those books have been taken out of the Bible. And so if you really kind of look at the way that that is, it's like 1600 years ago, the people who practiced, you know, the Bible, um, was a lot different than how they practiced afterwards. And so, um, but then also my other theory, uh, cause I know that we're going to be wrapping up soon, but, um, I think we're just in the technology age to the point where like the government really can't hide the fact that we have all these things. I mean, we have smartphones glued to us, videos, all that kind of stuff that we now have evidence for all these things. And, and so it's like, how, how are they going to, uh, to prevent people from being able to, to have that knowledge? You know, it's like, we have that knowledge and we're more techno technologically driven. Now you have to acknowledge it, but the government's going to be like, okay, we're acknowledging it. So just don't look into it anymore. We got this. Don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's so weird that within a very short period of time, people can really just naturally without even really thinking about it, change their opinion on something as monumental as this. Mm -hmm. And I, I've got, I've got two theories. Ultimately one, I call the, the William Cooper theory. It's also for people that are about to hear this. It might sound a lot like the plot of that movie, the watchman. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that. Well, William Cooper was like Alex Jones before Alex Jones. He went ahead and wrote a book called uh, behold a pale horse. And I I've read the book. Uh, I read it on my honeymoon, which is not one of the most romantic readings you want to bring, but <laughs> I, I read it. And uh, there's some stuff in there that William Cooper wrote about, which is stuff that I, I just look at and I'm thinking this is just some crazy nonsense stuff. Uh, there's other stuff that he pointed out, like he predicted that Osama bin Laden would be trained by the CIA and would eventually launch an attack on the World Trade Center. He also went ahead and um, predicted things like the Patriot Act and things happening. He also predicted that um, wars would be launched in the name of defending American sovereignty, but would actually be used to expand the American empire. So there are things that William Cooper said that came through. He also believed in vampires and stuff like that. And I don't mm -hmm. think I can get on that train yet, mm -hmm. but in, 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 in a good portion of the book, he's talking about extraterrestrials and he, he, he came down and throughout his life, he, at one point he thought that aliens were literally like running the new world order. I'm saying a fair quotes. And then later on, he was like, no, I think it's all a ruse to make us think they are because there are people actually running it. So, so here's my thought. If there are no aliens involved, we saw this through the pandemic. We saw this through the last 20 years of the war on terror. We saw it even beforehand, before we even started to really start noticing these things. The government is trying to condition us to think that this is real. So eventually they can go ahead and launch an attack conducted by a UFO. I think it'll happen out at sea on a U.S. vessel that no one's ever heard of with no witnesses to speak to. And they'll go ahead and use that to get us into war with Russia, China, North Korea. It'll be an expansion of the, you know, of the anti-terror state that we've tried to, to create over the past two decades. I think they'll use that. And if people were freaking out over COVID, they will absolutely lose their shit over aliens. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's could an be, existential threat. That's I mean, an that's existential outside. threat. Yeah. Wear, wear the mask, put the tinfoil hat on, stay at home before the UFOs abduct you. Bigots. Yeah. It'll, yeah. it'll evolve to that overnight. Overnight, it will happen because yeah. they've already shown what they could do with very little. 
So that that's one that's one idea, and that's based off the assumption that none of it's real. The other one, though, is that some someone wants to talk to us. Someone's going to get close to us, and the government, despite administrations, despite despite who what party is in charge, the deep state itself knows that they can't contain this and that we're going to reach a point where they're not going to have any control, but at least they can go ahead and throw out some plausible deniability and say, look, we tried telling you this stuff was real. We tried, but Mm -hmm. you know, now it's not, you know, now it's now the ball's out of our court at this point. It's going to be like the anti-independence day where the president is like, we're going to survive. We're going to make it through this. And they're going to be like, we're going to die. Nothing matters anymore. Right. So it's, it's, it's one or the other on this one. I am, I, I don't know, because like, like you said about the media earlier, how can we trust the people who have lied to us over and over and over again mm-hmm. to finally be truthful when it actually does matter and when they actually do come out and be right. honest about it? Yeah, I think, I think they just want to control the narrative of what they inevitably already know about um, and that it's going to be used as uh, there's a reason behind why they would disclose this information. And it's usually always happening to help progress certain agendas forward. And so that is what you're talking about with this existential threat. This could provide the, uh, the progression towards this one world order that they're trying to create, you know, um, nothing brings people together more than an existential threat. And so it could provide that ability to have a one world governance um, that they're shooting for so, so much right now. Um, Or, you know, I just believe that whatever they come out and say, um, it could be based on reality, but it's, if it has a narrative behind it, it's probably not the true, true story behind it. They're not giving you the real facts. Um, It's just a conducted way of how they want you to view the situation rather than the reality of the situation. And so, uh, so yeah, I think it's awesome. They came out and, and said UFOs are real and we're investigating into it, but I don't, I don't believe any of the investigation stuff that they're talking about because we've known this for a long time and we've known that they've been lying to us for 70 years and they're just now going to be investigating into this and they still don't have information after 70 years. I mean, they're still not even acknowledging the fact really that, you know, we have been lying to you for this long. Um, and now, you know, this is the information that we have. Oh, we don't really have any information for you really. (laughs) And so that's kind of like, okay, well, glad you acknowledged it. Um, but you know, late than never. Yeah. Except in this case. Yeah, so I would be very leery of the narrative that they're giving people behind uh, the disclosures that they give us. What does your gut tell you about all this? I believe that it's being used for uh, progressing progression of uh, agendas. Um, I truly believe that uh, there's some sort of technological advances. I think we have progressed... Uh, I think a lot of societies have progressed technologically in certain ways uh, from these reverse engineerings, from a lot of the information that they've been, you know, that we've got in the last 70 years from, you know, Area 51. And, you know, they have an Area 51 basically in in Britain. They have all these places that they have been doing all these things. Um, And I think we have advanced so much technologically um, that 
we're going to start utilizing this technology more. And we need to get people conditioned to the fact that these things, you know, we have this technology. We're going to start presenting this technology. We know what's going on. We need to get people more up to speed because now I think society is going to start evolving and changing into something more and something different um, that we were just so, you know, uh, that there was a wool over our eyes this whole time. And now the veil is starting to come off. Um, and now we're starting to merge uh, paranormal with reality. We're starting to merge supernatural with reality. Like things that we thought were like crazy are now starting to merge with reality because now we have answers for them. Um, so I think that it's to progress, you know, certain agendas forward um, and unveil technology to the world. Even even if little green men do come out of a UFO right in front of me, I'm still going to want to wonder whether or not they work for the FBI. I think that they, <laughs> just so you know, Remzo, this is my theory. They live in the ocean. They're already here and they live in the ocean. But that's for another time. You'll have to tune into the Chiller Queen podcast for that episode because uh, I've been doing a lot of research into this and uh, you guys, yeah, it it will blow your mind on that. Well, Avery, that's a wrap. Folks, seriously, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. I'll go ahead and leave the links to the show notes in the show notes. So that way you can go ahead and catch up. I listen to every episode. You're doing great work, Avery. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ramzo. Folks, please, if you enjoy conversations like this, do me a quick favor. Leave me a five-star rating and review. It takes you two seconds. It means, I mean, it, it, it takes absolutely no time, but it means everything to me. Helps keep conversations like this going. As always, I'm Ramzo W. Martinez. Be safe, be good. Good night. For those of you listeners who know my background a bit, you might remember the stories of my first few jobs after college. From being a mall cop to selling makeup door to door, I realized that I had skills that were being underutilized and that these minimum wage jobs couldn't support me or last forever. I spent years going through YouTube, reading books, listening to podcasts, and taking enough online courses to reinvent myself as a professional copywriter and digital marketer. Years later, thanks to my side hustles and drive, I've worked with national news outlets, multi-million dollar tech startups, nonprofits, and celebrities to build their brands and drive sales. None of this could have happened if I didn't develop in-demand skills. I had to do this alone, but you don't have to. You have Hustlers University 2.0. Hustlers University 2.0 is a community where you can learn real skills to earn money online today, starting with side hustles you can use to elevate your game. I'm not just an advocate for Hustlers University. I'm also a student. Every professor is verified to be making 10K to 500K monthly in their selected field. You get full resources, lesson plans, and an active community of thousands of other Hustlers University students working on skills such as stock analysis, cryptocurrencies, e-commerce, copywriting, which was my favorite course, one I actually went ahead and took last month. And as a copywriter of seven years, I even took a ton out of that, including some of the resources I was able to take over to my day job. 
You also learn freelancing, financial planning, affiliate marketing, business management, and so much more. If you're tired of depending on a boss who hates you to deliver your paycheck or have learned since the lockdowns that controlling the source of your income is vital to your individual freedom, sign up for Hustlers University 2.0 today using the link in the show notes. I'll see you there.